0: everybody out there uh welcome to engineering tech with mike antosh uh powered by prolytics um we're here today starting trying something new uh i'm in the studio today with blake bernacki and uh blake and i are are both uh members and 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 leaders within the prolytics organization uh a company focused on engineering tech and we're in an industry where there's generally not a lot of information shared and, and a lot of open discussion. And uh, luckily, though, we've had the opportunity over the past seven years to uh, really broaden our horizons. And if you've ever wondered what it might be like for for one of these engineering Office type uh, people, engineering nerds, to to have a podcast and share all their crazy stories about the office. Um, that's what we're gonna try to do, and uh, try to put some information down that's that's helpful for uh, people in the industry, maybe those considering it, uh, or just uh, share knowledge. And then uh, eventually we'll get some some um, other folks on the line, and we'll compare notes and and talk about it. So. I've got a uh, Blake Bernacki in here with me today.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Well, our purpose here today, I think we're gonna lay down like a, a foundation, a beginning of the of of this podcast, engineering tech and and where better to start with prolytics. So uh, I guess we're talking about like Sorry. like what is it like to to work in the engineering business? What's working well, what's not, what's interesting maybe if someone has a great story about spray paint we'll get into it but <laughs> the, the first intent is some maybe some valuable you know content for people you know with their careers okay I
1: was confused okay nice. yes
0: good okay so uh, I a uh, full disclosure I mean I mean I I do I'm the vi- uh, VP of sales for prolytics and um, my background, is project engineering, automation engineering, and then project engineering. I did some time offshore, which was really cool. Um, got into databases and analytics and software development. And through all of that, enjoyed talking to people and come to find out that's probably, that's really important for what I do now, which is to try to explain a lot of our ta- our, our offerings but um, and and, and I, I may go into that a little bit more. But I guess give give the audience an intro about yourself.
1: Yeah. So I, I started out in in the industry uh, is is working in the field as an instrument tech. Uh, so I got an associate's degree in instrumentation technology. Uh, I did that for a number of years, and then and then got into control system and design and, and engineering and instrument engineering and design. Uh, so i worked at some some owners out there in, like, chemical plants and then moved over more to the contractor EPC side of things. Um, did that for a number of years. Uh, I also worked at a software provider for some of these engineering applications. Uh, I worked with them for a while uh, until, until we started up ProLytics. And that's kind of how we got here. Yeah, uh, the idea—I guess you could say—behind ProLytics uh, is is basically the. If if I had to like narrow it down in, in a small nutshell, the the idea is that the owners, you know, right now the owners own all the assets, of course, because they're the ones that own the facilities and, and the manufacturing process and everything. But as technology has advanced. Um, Everybody moves into the data world, if you will, and so the idea there is: is the owners don't just own the technology; they actually own the data and they own the process by which that data is created. Um, and I think that's a little different, different idea in. in than it has been in the past. In the past, you know, EPCs would build these facilities and then turn it over to the owners, and then the owners would operate it. But they would be building them for the owners, right? Uh, and it, it just never seemed like there was a connection there. And so what, what we're trying to do at ProLytics is... Empower the owners to understand that that information that data that is actually going into those facilities is their information and data for them to utilize for the life cycle of the plant Uh, and then Bridge that gap between the engineering side of that and the IT side of that because a lot of times inside Inside these facilities, it falls on IT's responsibilities because it's a database or it's software or something of that nature. But it's it's engineering data, and it's engineering software. So,
0: so, I think uh, you went pretty deep pretty fast there. Um, I think there's a whole there's a whole part of this discussion that needs that could could merit a little bit of background, which is like for me, I was working projects and then somebody gave me access to a database, one of the databases behind the project because I needed to get information to do my work. And getting into that was, was was cool because it was a a part of doing my job that now I could, I could write a little tool that could grab information. Then I could use that to do my job, which was really exciting. And then I think um, from my personal experience, our company at the time, Mustang engineering started a, a group specifically to, to, to manage this tech, the tech of the, of the company. And, and uh, to me that, that piqued my interest. I was, I was interested in switching departments and getting into that. Um, and I think your story, you were what working and sort of inherited one of these tools where you had to learn sort of the, the nerds, the, the tech side of the tool plus do your job. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So you were thrown into it essentially like, cause I mean the, the, the engineering tech space, there's not really like a degree for that. There's not a, there's not a planned path as to how you, how you become sort of that middle ground between what engineers do and
1: what it does. No. Right? Uh, and, and yeah, I'm not exactly sure why, that that is the case but that is the case in the industry right now is that there is not like a degree like a specific degree path Uh, a lot of times people think that software is owned by it and then engineers do calculations and and create drawings and stuff like that Uh, but what's happening in the industry is a lot of those softwares are becoming more smart and intelligent
0: Well, I think one of the reasons that there isn't necessarily a clear path to it is because the most successful people in that space that we've seen come from having such good field experience or background experience, fundamentals of what they're trying to accomplish. So it's hard to just create someone right into the space of being an engineering tech administrator when they don't necessarily understand the engineering side of it. Is that right? So like the computer science degree or the traditional tech style degree or an IT degree. They it's hard to prepare someone for, you know, piping or equipment or instrumentation discussions. And so so for you, you were working at a company, they inherited adopted one of these smart softwares or had to do it for a project. You were the guy that had to set it up, make it work. And then realized that's a skill in itself, the setup and administration and running a sophisticated tool like that. That was an instrumentation database. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, And for me, I was like I said, I was already on projects and I just wanted to get information out of that same type tool, got the access to the to the database and then started writing tools um, and and transferred my career from being a project person to being an administrator. And I mentioned earlier, I like to go around and talk to people, um, and or, or through through our, you know, one of the things now is to to talk to different people in different roles in the industry. Moving into that administrator or tech space was cool for me because project to project, my job, I was able to now to have a job that interfaced with most of the projects that our company had. So to go around and talk to different people every day and see what challenges they were facing was, was kind of a cool aspect. And I've kind of carried that forward to where we are today, which is to now talk to different clients and see what their experiences are, uh, and, and, and sort of understand a little bit wider view. Because because I don't think people understand when you're in a project-driven company and you're a project person, you may spend 18 months, you may spend three years, five years on one – basically dedicated to one project, right? Yeah. So so then I think the next question is what actually precipitated the formation of ProLytics as a company as opposed to, to just being – uh, a you know an engineering tech person you know working in the industry. What what what's the origination?
1: You know, th- let's talk a little bit about the creation of the company. Well, the the, the idea behind creating the company came from from the fact that it's the EPCs can't really do it um, because if they do it. What, what they'll do it around is is internally and and i i I did go internal to some of the companies that I worked at previously and pitch this idea uh, of creating like a like an entity inside of them uh the problem with that is though it's always the the a fox watching the hen house if you will right so that that little entity would be controlling the owner's information and the owner's data but the epc itself would have an idea that they want to they want that information to leverage it to build something for that owner or to sell something to that owner or kind of control um control the information around the site for the owner. Well, what
0: you're you're saying, when you say an entity, you mean like a support group, like a tech group that's administering data, tools, and and things like that. So you're saying the engineering companies have these people and they do a great job with it. They use it for a purpose of delivering projects. That's right. So there are a lot of people like us who work in the industry and they're on the engineering side and they help deliver these big projects. But then on the owner-operator side... That side of the industry is still figuring out that skill set, sort of trying to put it in place, sometimes doing it with IT, sometimes trying to figure out how to get people involved. And you're saying for the EPC to provide that as a service is a is a bit of a conflict. It's a bit of a conflict to them, right? Because so, these owners may have a whole bunch of different engineering companies that are going to work with them, correct. right?
1: They've got a bunch of different engineering companies. they got other projects going on. A lot of times those, those projects are using companies that make, conflict or are competitive with the with the EPCs right that, that would be hosting that if you will or, or administratively supporting it um, And then on the owner side like you said earlier a minute ago that they they normally would do that with like an IT type resource uh, which you lose all the domain knowledge as far as what the engineering knowledge is or design knowledge is uh, or they don't have the resources at all. Or they don't even know that like technology exists. So we were we were it's three of them.
0: We were trying to talk about the the original conception, and so what you're saying is, and I, I guess the, the you spent time overseas with a major project, right, where you got to see the transition from the engineering company into the owner trying to take this massive digital project and put it into work for themselves for the long run. That's right. And then you also got to work at a software company where you went around to try to help understand that part of the industry, too. So what did you see during that process?
1: Uh, What I saw there is that on on that side of it, on the owner-operator side of it, there's, there's two main issues. One of them is they either try to handle it, like I said, like through an IT organization. So IT would control the... The applications used, IT would control the data used, uh, and how that interfaced and connected with their workflows and processes. Uh, the issue there is is that the IT organizations don't have the domain knowledge to understand how the information is being authored. So, so how how is the engineering being done how like what does that data actually mean what value it brings to the business well you're talking about an IT organization
0: that's also handling the email inboxes they're that's handling correct. communications yeah. they're handling basic computer virus type stuff and so that's right. to ask them to also understand a piping drawing or an equipment layout or something is As it's challenging, challenging world to now own
1: that right that's right okay. and then then two would just be like resource like the limited ability to have the resources available needed to support that and then and the knowledge base behind those resources okay
0: so that that to you signified a gap in the industry where yeah. there could there there's room there for a an agnostic sort of third party to be a facilitator between all of this great work that the engineering companies are doing and then, What the owners are trying to accomplish with that data, and put these systems into place, and kind of just help an owner, regardless of who's going to use it, right? right. Set something up for for an owner operator, and when we say owner operator, we mean like Exxon or Chevron or Valero, yeah, Valero, that's right. And and just basically be a helper to those guys. Phone a friend if they need it. That's right. You know, uh, give advice, speak on their behalf, help make the translation from what the engineering companies are doing into the world that the owner is doing. That's right. And that world becomes additionally complex because they're trying to run the plant, right? Yeah. for the whole life cycle. So the plant could last, you know, 50 years. Right. And your typical focus has always been on get the, get the control system up and running, maintain the equipment, uh, you know, handle the staff, I mean, everything around running an actual facility. So the data kinda of got left behind at times in the in the past. Some of the the this the engineering data
1: and that's like solving that problem is part of this value problem. Solving proposition. that problem is part of it. I, I don't know if the data necessarily got left behind but it was dispersed, right? And and it was dispersed in documents. So they, they instead of having data they would get handed over like massive amounts of documents from these from these engineering companies, right? Um be it P&ID drawings, loop drawings, uh, equipment, specs, you know, whatever. It would all just come in the form of documents. Um, Now there's a shift in that Uh, because what the owners would do, right, is they would take all those documents and then they would try to take certain data points out and then get that into their asset management systems or get that into their maintenance management systems to, to maintain the facility, well now there's a shift on that side where they realized, hey, what we're doing is is we're taking a number of documents, pulling data out to put into these other systems. What if we just took data and, and then we wouldn't have that intermediate step? And are there intelligent design and engineering systems out there that that just house the data? Uh so so like an enterprise system that houses the data example of that would be like smart plant instrumentation or smart plant P&ID or aspen tech right um, or or some Viva products where they're no longer document centric but data
0: centric now what about what about epcs trying to master their craft maybe adopt some of these things to better to better suit the long you know the the goals of the owner i mean we Provide help to those companies, sort of, uh, or, or Prolytics provides help to those engineering companies, trying to to make sure that they are also moving in the right direction with these tools and with this overall
1: initiative, right? Yeah, and and I think that's a you know some of the larger like EPCs are are kind of already using some of those applications uh, just because it enhances their workflows and they're doing these major major projects. Some of the smaller EPCs are not right and they're still doing it more of a document centric way the issue with that is 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 the more of these owners that start going to a data driven uh, approach to their engineering and design uh, the less you know standard documentation that you're going to have so these EPCs that that aren't doing that have a have a gap themselves to to fill to switch over uh, to those more intelligent design systems, uh, so so Prolytics will also help help them make that switch and help them adjust their workflows and their processes. Yeah, and, and support them along the way.
0: Ultimately, help help that handover that that connection between the two sides of this of That's this right. story. I think right. That's right. Okay. Um. Cool. Well, you know, sometimes we hear people try to look at the name and try to figure out how to pronounce it. I've heard Prolytics, I've heard Prolytex, um, but I, I think there's a there's a, a reason that the name came together, and then it kind of helps you pronounce it too. So,
1: tell me about the the reason. So it's it's pronounced Prolytics, and it's professional analytics. Um, and so, so the reason those two names kind of come together in professional and analytics is doing doing a type of data analytics is. There's like hundreds of companies out there that do data analytics. Almost all of them, or a large percentage, or majority of them, is on the finance side of, you know, the financial industry. I uh, think like Wall Street and whatnot. There's a there's a number of companies that do that, doing that with inside the engineering space. Uh, it it seems to be limited, and I, and I think that's because, like I said earlier, it's it used to be more of a document centric. Uh, approach to things, but the more data-centric approach, the more these these enterprise applications uh, like the Hexagon applications and Aviva applications are used, uh, the more you can actually do advanced analytics on your on your data, especially if the owners use it and tie it in to some of their other systems. Uh, then they can start doing, you know, advanced analytics on maintenance routines, advanced analytics on on process conditions and process control that they they weren't able to do before. And, and that's that's the end game. Right. So
0: professional analytics. Um, that sounds like I mean, today, that's a hot topic. Uh, data analytics. It sounds easy. There are a lot of a lot of. Um, educational programs, a lot of buzzwords related to that. Uh, But I think the question, and you just, you hit on it there a little bit, you know, you've got, and you do have some data coming from your control systems that it's, it's, it's been smart data for many years because it's coming out of an electronic system that's running the plant. But then the, the, the document story you told just a minute ago Sort of also tells you a little bit about the other the other side, which is what information is available when you want to do analytics on your engineering and you want to check the quality or you want to you want to adjust, um, you know the or, or or evaluate the effectiveness of the the way your plant was designed or the way it's being managed. Uh, you know how did the beginning of that go? You know in terms of. Being able to say, okay, in 2016, we're a professional engineering analytics. What data was available for us to work on?
1: Well, there's there's two problems there. I think one one is what data is available, and the other one is is what data can actually be trusted. Um, and then and then and then can you do the analytics on it? So, a lot of times, what we see when we get in some of these facilities that are already existing and that have been around for a while, the data that they have is is Lacking, I guess you can say, from from an engineering standpoint, um, we go into a lot of these facilities, and they'll, you know, we we hear from maybe the corporate level or, or a higher up level that their master data is their asset management system, right? So their asset management system houses all of the information they need for their equipment, uh, their instrumentation, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, you get into the actual sites though, and start talking to the guys that are that are maintaining the facility, and and they say that the master information is almost always in a document control world, right? And then you look at the information in all these different worlds, and what you find is is that your your asset management systems, like your SAP or your Maximo, really only has like ten or fifteen data points that they need from an engineering and design perspective. And, and so in half of the time that that information is missing or it's not there uh, and so then you go down to your document control but then since it's documents centric what you have is duplicated information so you might have three spec sheets or three equipment spec sheets for the same piece of equipment and then it's well what which spec sheet is the latest and which is the trusted most valuable information Um uh, or it's just not even there. And they, they have to go out into the field and and field verify it if you will.
0: So I think, you know, living through that experience, we brought together five colleagues who had a lot of project experience, a lot of technolo- technology experience and and were ready to attack this engineering analytics uh, concept. And I think what, what was realized in that early phase was we got to help some people build a foundation before there's a lot of analytics to do. And, uh, so, I mean, staffing wise, we ended up realizing, I I guess, you know, when you're what engineering tech it's, it's primarily like administrators and developers right back in inside of like in, in, in our history at, at, um, at Mustang, that's that's where we felt like we were is is in uh, more of an administrative group. So putting that group out into a company and saying, "Look, these this group is available uh, to do advanced analytics and everything like that," took a little while to to find the right customers to be able to implement those type of solutions. So there's work there in drawing conversions and data buildouts and surveys, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think would. What- what you're kind of getting at there is, is, when we originally started out, we were wanting to do this advanced analytic information because a lot of us were coming from the the EPC world where we had been using these utilities and these these data centric design and engineering applications, uh, and then we got into the owner world and and really realized that hey, they're they're lacking a lot of information, so we had to step back and say hey, well, to do these advanced, you know. Process controls to do these advanced, you know, maintenance analytics. Uh, you first have to have a solid foundation, and so we we started helping build that foundation for those those companies.
0: Um, I think that helped build out a more well-rounded team. Um, gave gave us the opportunity to bring in some traditional engineers and designers and um, some junior team members to sort of build up to and grow. So that was, uh, yeah. to me, that was all going back to that name of professional analytics. I would say we've done plenty of things that weren't professionally analytical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were. Well, no. I mean, not necessarily. <laughs> like, I, I, I guess. Uh, reading, uh, drawing PNIDs with... The drafters inside of an intelligence system—you might not say that—that's very analytical necessarily. That's um, almost just standard design and drafting type work. Well, I think what what we what we that foundation is important though. If you don't have it, you can't do the professional analytics. Oh
0: uh, well, I think we were in the beginning hungry for opportunities so much so that you know we had a motto that that said, you know, to get that first opportunity because you're just looking for a chance, you know, we'll we'll cut the grass if that's if that's the right thing to do. Like, uh, you know, give us an opportunity to show you that we're going to do a quality job. So if it's uh, drawing a drawing or, or <laughs> uh, you know, moving something for you or, or cutting the grass, we just wanted a chance to get in and prove that we, we had the right attitude, I think, to help somebody, right?
1: Yeah, I think that attitude comes from from a place though that you're 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 really trying to help advance uh, your clients and the people that you're working for, right? So if if they don't if they don't have the adequate information or resources or or whatnot to be able to do that advanced analytics, then then help them build it and, and help them realize the actual potential. Of, of what it could do for them, right? Uh, it could help them make their products safer. It could help them, you know, cut cut costs in, in a way that uh, maintenance intervals are reduced or downtime in their facilities are reduced. Uh, there's, there's a number of benefits to having that advanced, you know, foundational data set uh, that they do not get if they don't have that. So. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, one simple note. I think we wanted to just, you know, we, the logo It's pretty simple logo, uh, originally created, I think in a word document. Um, <laughs> but now has been, has been added to a little bit. It's been churched up a little bit. Um, uh, uh tell me a little bit about the, uh, I guess really the X is becoming the, the signature logo of Prolytics, is that uh, right?
1: Yeah, the X, two different colors with with the arrows. Uh, that, that basically signifies the the closing of the gap between between the engineering and the IT or systems world. Right, that's what we're trying to do right now.
0: Well, uh, I think what we what we wanted to do with this first discussion was get hear some of the basics and understand how. ProLytics came to be where we are today, and uh, so Blake, was there anything else you wanted to share
1: at the moment? No, appreciate you you having me out to to do this, and and hope this hope this podcast works out.
0: Yeah, well, we're gonna see. This is uh, gonna be a combination of discussions about uh, the 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 work that ProLytics is doing, but also the work that's happening in the industry. And, um, you know, as Blake said, there's, a there's a real transfer or an, uh, an important sort of handoff between the engineering teams, what their goals are and the IT teams that enable those. We, uh, we recently went to, to Denver and we participated in an event, uh, gave a presentation at a, at a digital wildcatters event and we, um we sort of use the quarterback analogy and uh you know that's that's what the the prolytics team goal i think has been is to be a bit of a quarterback for to connect engineering and it navigate the challenges that they're that they're facing and and lead them to success um so appreciate you guys taking a chance to or, or the time to listen to this and um, this is us kind of stepping out and doing something new, uh, trying to put some of our thoughts down in a format that's a little bit hopefully more uh, engaging than than PowerPoint, and um, and we're going to see where we can take it. Uh, so we look forward to talking in the future. Uh, thanks for joining us for um, the uh, engineering tech number one. Thank you. <laughs>